0: you are locked on sec your daily podcast on the southeastern conference part of the locked on podcast network your team every day what's happening everybody welcome into locked on sec great to have you guys along on today's show we will run through the latest injuries over at georgia ahead of their big game against florida We'll also hear from some of the other SEC coaches talking ahead of their Week 7 games. We'll also catch up with our buddy Zach Abelverde of GatorsTerritory.com. We'll get his thoughts on the big rivalry game this week. How confident should Gator fans be? And lastly, I'll run through the four games in the conference this week. Just discuss kind of the repercussions for some of the losers following this week's game. Maybe not get into the matchups. We'll do that later in the week. But uh, what happens with some of these teams that lose this week, what does it mean for the rest of the season? I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On SEC for free. Wherever you get your podcast, we're here for you five days a week. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out, each and every day. Before we hear from some of the SEC coaches, let's get to a couple of tidbits out there. The Georgia Bulldogs, they will be without several key players on defense for this year's Florida Georgia game. Junior nose tackle Jordan Davis. going to miss several weeks with an elbow injury. Fifth-year defensive end Julian Rochester will miss the remainder of the year with a torn ACL. And, of course, star safety Richard LeCount injured in a traffic accident Saturday night. He will miss several weeks. Davis was a preseason first-team All-SEC selection. Managed just 13 tackles so far this year. Rochester seen limited action this year. Has six tackles, but he has 103 on his career at Georgia. And uh, Richard LeCount, one of the nation's elite defensive backs, 26 tackles on the year, 13 this past week against Kentucky as he was named uh, SEC Defensive Player of the Week. The uh, Bulldogs do still have one of the best defenses in college football, but, man, you just wonder, playing this high-powered Gator offense, how much is missing those guys going to hurt them. We're going to find out on Saturday. Uh, South Carolina, just a little tidbit from them. Will Muschamp announced he is sticking with quarterback Colin Hill as his starter. They uh, said that Ryan Holinski and, and Luke Doty got a lot of reps during the off week, but the coaching staff feels that Colin Hill gives them their best chance at victory. Uh, I think we'll see a little bit more of Doty in, in packages, perhaps. He had a six-yard run against LSU, very versatile guy, but this is still Colin Hill's show until further notice. All right, let's do it. Let's hear from some of the SEC coaches. SEC Coaches. Speaking of Will Muschamp, let's hear from him as his team prepares for the Texas A&M Aggies. You know, I got a lot of respect for Jimbo. Um, They have a a really good football team. Four returning starters on their offensive line. Four seniors on their offensive line. Kellen Mond who's a a four-year starter. The quarterback position I think is very efficient in what they do offensively. Spiller has really come on for them as a running back. Uh, looking forward to an opportunity to get back on the field. Uh, disappointed, obviously, with their last outing. and I know our guys are excited to get back out in front of our crowd here in, in Columbia. And looking forward to our uh, night to appreciate the military and play Texas A&M. We'll discuss a little bit more on what that game, what a loss would mean to South Carolina, what a win over Texas A&M would mean to them moving forward a little bit later. Derek Mason over at Vandy said he's just trying to figure out how to fix this team particularly fix this defense you know I mean those guys just talked to me hey coach what can we do like what what do we need to do and I, I says man I mean, it starts with just man your process uh again you know everything we do is about um especially defensively it's about being united uh like in what we do uh, man because you can't have nine guys doing one thing and two guys doing another and so uh, I, I saw a strong, spirited practice. Uh, guys look like they're trying to get their feet underneath themselves a little bit. Vandy still looking to get their first win of the season over at Florida. Dan Mullen discussing the Georgia game. Doesn't clinch it or seal anything, but I mean, it's certainly whoever wins this game certainly is putting themselves in the driver's seat to uh, in the dri- certainly in the driver's seat to get to Atlanta. You know, I mean, you're you're. You're two games up on the this part, this team, and you know you're really um, two games up on everybody else in the league at that point. So um, it, it makes it a big game, and but you know it's I, I, it's always been a big game for a long time. Outside of Tennessee and Arkansas, that game is the closest point spread this week um, among two top ten teams. That's why we're spending so much time talking about the Florida Georgia game. Meanwhile, over at LSU, they're on their bye week, but fresh off there, throttling at the hands of Auburn. I think all the questions with their bye week this week and the Alabama ahead, is Miles Brennan going to be ready for the Alabama game? He might be their only shot at keeping that one close. Here's Coach O on the latest on the status of Miles Brennan. We're going to throw the ball with him a little bit today. He's going to try to get into the offense, see what he can do. Uh, he's not ready yet. Uh, it's day by day, and I don't know if he's going to be ready for the Alabama game. I, I think we'll know a little bit more next week. Uh, we're going to try to let him do a couple things today, see how he can do Man, that just does not bode well for LSU. They need to get uh, Miles Brennan in there if they want to. You know, Maybe maybe they can make it a shootout with Alabama, but we do know that LSU defense is not going to stop the Alabama offense. LSU's best shot is to get into a shootout with Alabama Score a lot of points, kind of like they did last year in Tuscaloosa. And there you go. That's uh, some of the SEC coaches talking with the media yesterday ahead of uh, some of the games coming up this weekend. Coming up next, our conversation with Zach Alboverde, Gators territory. Get his thoughts on the world's largest outdoor cocktail party that no one really calls that anymore in the media, but the fans still call it that. That's next. Daylight savings time this past weekend, you might feel a little different. Your whole routine may be thrown off. You may get home today, and you have the sudden urge to pop open a Coors Light and chill. That's okay. It's totally understandable and natural, and you should just go with it. Coors Light is your permission to relax Sometimes you need to practice sports therapy. The Mac is back in football action. So we've got some Wednesday night maxion games to watch. We still got Thursday night NFL games. We still got some Friday night college football. Just park your butt right on the couch and pop open a fresh Coors Light. Mountain Cold Refreshment, made to chill, perfect for a moment to unwind. Get them in their new look cans, and if you see the blue mountains, you'd know you made a great decision. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer. That is literally made to chill. And remember, you can get them delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. One of the easiest ways to get them right to your doorstep. Coors Light, celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. French fries, chicken nuggets, potato chips, chocolate candy. These are all things I've eaten in the past week and later regretted doing so. I'm busy. I'm on the go. I really need to do a better job of filling in those quick snack windows, though, with a healthier alternative, and that's why I need to get online right now and reorder from BuiltBar.com. We tell you guys all the time, Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. 19 amazing flavors, just about any tasty flavor you could want. Cookies and cream, my personal favorite, 17 grams of protein only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar. I would be feeling so much better right now if I had just had a Built Bar over some of these junk foods that I've had the last couple of days. The best part of reordering more Built Bars for myself, I know I'm going to get 20% off using the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L O C K E D O N. You put in LOCKEDON when you're completing your order and you're going to get 20% off at builtbar.com. It is such an easy website to use. Find what you want, throw it in your cart, Boom, click, order, you're done. They even have a rewards program now you can take part in and get exclusive deals. Put down the candy, put down the chips, all that other junk food, and pick up a built bar today. we right along here, Locked On SEC, talking all things SEC football. Our last weekend with just four games in the conference. After this, everybody's playing everybody every weekend from here on out. Uh, well, pending more COVID positives and maybe some postponements once again. But after this weekend, we'll have a full slate of games every week. Uh, past this uh, weekend with just four games, but the biggest game this weekend, obviously, we've been talking about it all week. It is the Georgia Florida game, the Florida Georgia game, whichever one you want to put first. Zach Abelverde joins us now, our buddy who works for Gators Territory, of course, the uh, Florida rival site. Zach, what's going on, man?
1: I'm doing well, you know, excited for Florida Georgia week, as they call it on the, on the, Florida side of things they go (laughs) alphabetical order you know
0: well it's so crazy too like I still call it the world's largest outdoor cocktail party like I know we won't have much tailgating or anything like that this year but like why can't we still call it that I think everybody does call it that
1: though (laughs) (laughs) I think the fans do and the media does it's just the game officials don't do it anymore everyone else still does
0: yeah no, it's, it's crazy that, that we have to keep changing things uh, like, like that. Um, let's get into first looking back a little bit, Zach. Uh, what was your reaction as Kyle Trask takes that hit from Mizzou right before halftime? There's no flag. Obviously, it was a little bit of a dirty hit. But then when you start seeing both benches clearing and everybody meeting at midfield and then punches being thrown, uh, what was going through your mind? I mean, it was an ugly scene for college
1: football, uh, ugly scene for the SEC and for Florida and Mizzou. Um, Obviously, uh, I think that, uh, you know, looking back on it, uh, because of the situation that it was a quarterback, that his quarterback was hit, and Mullen didn't even see the hit, everybody on the sideline had told him, you know, maybe in hindsight, obviously, he probably would have... Kind of predicted that if he went out on the field like that, his players were going to follow him the way that they did. And by the time he even turned in the direction of his players, they already had like 20 on the field. It was too late. Um, I personally don't have an issue uh, with what he did in terms of going out on the field and, and trying to get an explanation for why there was no call. I know that there's a video floating around out there that makes it look like he's shouting at a Mizzou player, at least for my opinion and people I've talked to. It's pretty clear that he's trying to get the attention of the white hat official who at the time if you look at the video that's out there he has his back turned to mullen as he's um charging midfield uh, he goes through three rests then to get to the white hat official who's talking to trey williams um and and kind of by the time mullen gets grabbed he gets turned around and he's still yelling at the white hat official trying to get his attention And then he finally turns around, and by the time he turns around, all hell's broken loose at that point. So, like, he didn't even have a chance to kind of get whatever explanation he could get from the ref before the fight had even started. So, obviously, a lot of coaches in that situation, when their quarterback goes down, they're going to go to the ref to try and get an explanation. But because his team was so charged up and it was the quarterback, uh, obviously he regrets, you know, I think carrying himself the way he did but you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know a lot of people are going to have an issue with it. But I can assure you that his players don't have an issue with it, and they kind of showed that with the way that they played uh, against the Tigers in that second half, scored twenty eight straight, dominated the third quarter, um, and now they got to have to try and carry that uh, into this Georgia game, and, and obviously, you know, put the brawl and everything behind them.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, kudos to those, those guys to be able to put that behind them and go out in the second half and just say, hey, let's play football. And And that's what they did. Um, it, it was crazy, too, how that game played out. I mean, with, what, three minutes to go before half? You know, Florida's losing se- seven to six, and then all of a sudden it's, you know, quick turn of fortune, two quick touchdowns. Suddenly they take a lead and never look back. Um, any concerns? I mean, obviously Trask looked look good again. It's good to see, uh, you know, Shorter finds the end zone uh, finally this season. Pitts doesn't. Uh, and then the run game, I thought, was odd. I mean, we did see Trask run it a little bit more this past week, but it seemed to be kind of run running back by committee this past weekend. Uh, any concerns with or any anything to be worried about with this offense moving forward? Uh,
1: not with the offense. Uh, I I, <laughs> I really think that um, you know the way that they produce this season uh, kind of shows what they're capable of. You mentioned the slow start, but you know Mullen mentioned. After the game, that they didn't have, they had half of their offensive line didn't practice until Wednesday, uh, presumably being held out because of COVID protocols. So, that coupled with, you know, two weeks of no practices and three weeks of no games, I guess, you know, expected that they were going to maybe not get off to the best start in the first two quarters. But to your point, I mean, right there at the end, they finally put together a drive at the end of the half, they score with under two minutes. Their defense gets a turnover, and they score 33 seconds later, and then they go into half, um, and they're up 20-7. to seven. So, and then they kind of know looking back from that point on. You know, the, the running back situation, that's been a conversation all the way dating, dating back to last year. Uh, you know, that at least with that group, they did have LaMichael P. right as the feature back, whereas this year, um, like you said, it's multiple guys involved, and you have to include Kadarius Toney, as part of that run game production. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's still not producing a lot, just like it wasn't producing a lot last year. But they, as Mullen said today, you know, they are a pass-based offense. And that's just, that's who they are. That's what their strength is with the redshirt senior quarterback and a lot of weapons that he can get the ball to. Um, you know, and, and, and honestly, you know, given the way Georgia's defense is stout like they are up front, I don't even think, you know, Florida even wants to try to run the ball all that much against them. Obviously, they're going to and, and try and keep them honest, but they're going to attack them through the air, and that's who they are, and, and, and that's what they're going to be on Saturday. Well,
0: let's talk about defensively because I thought Florida looked much better. A handful of sacks against Missouri. You know, that was the big concern, and, and obviously, it was the concern in the AM game. Um, Georgia, man, they set, seem like they are standing pat on this Stetson Bennett kid who. You know, I keep saying the big selling point of him early in the year was he didn't turn the ball over. Now, in his last two games, he had three interceptions and two interceptions. So, um, if Georgia is going to indeed stick with him as this game manager quarterback, I just wonder if Florida comes out and they're able to score at will, I don't know if Georgia can keep up. Yeah, and, and I don't know if Florida will score at will, but I do think that they'll
1: score, and, and that's got to be the concern for the Bulldogs is if they can keep up with the Gators because – um, you know, Florida's defense obviously didn't get off to the greatest start, but they seem like they somewhat found themselves against Mizzou, and whether it be the lineup changes and or Kyrie Campbell, their two-year starting defensive tackle, making his season debut uh, after missing the first three games, they just they look differently, they played differently, um, and if they can bring that to this game, I really think that they're going to be able to frustrate Stetson. Um, you know, Georgia's going to obviously focus on running the ball and I think at times the Gators have obviously given up a lot of yards on the ground but um I- I'm interested to see how this game plays out because obviously you're going to have to think that Georgia's you know going to play ball control and they're going to try to uh, keep the clock in their favor whereas you know Florida has the ability to kind of march up and down the field and, and they want to prevent as much of that as possible so um you know the the one thing that you you know, do have to watch out for with Florida is, um, you know, that they they have, and obviously the Texas A&M game and even their last game, um, you know, had at times where they can turn over the ball, and that might be a situation uh, to help Georgia out where if they can get set up uh, off of one of those, get some great field position, maybe get a quick strike that will allow them to maybe keep up with Florida from a scoring standpoint.
0: We keep hearing all of this news out of Georgia that they are the walking wounded. I mean, key players of their defense, Richard LeCount, been one of their leaders in the secondary. He's going to be out several weeks. Um, I mean, is that a big opportunity here for Florida to really take advantage of? Um, you know, playing a, a team that that is a really good defense, one of the best in the country, but going to be missing some key pieces.
1: Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, if if you're playing a game like this and an arrival like this, you know, you want to get them at, 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 the, at their best. Any competitor would. And Todd Grantham came out today for his defensive coordinator and sent some well wishes to Richard LeCount, uh, just saying how he admires the way that he plays, just kind of watching from afar. And, um, you know, it's definitely puts the Bulldogs at a disadvantage to lose a guy like that and some of the others that they have out. But at, at the same time, you know, it, it creates an advantage for Florida, but they've got their own issues that they're dealing with. I mean, they still got, you know, COVID protocols and, and, and what have you, and, and guys that have tested positive. Um, and then certainly, you know, folks that have either been out or, or injured. Um, so I think every team, to a degree, is, is, is kind of dealing with some stuff. But Georgia's just unfortunately got hit with some bad luck here in the last week or so. Um, but losing a guy like LeCount, uh, it, it, there's no doubt that's going to make a difference on this game. Uh,
0: anything with the the two player suspensions? I, I think I was looking at it. Powell hasn't done much for Florida this year, and um, Zachary Carter. I mean, you know, obviously you don't want to lose him, but anything to losing both those guys for just a half? Yeah, I mean, Carter's
1: the loss. Powell hasn't played. I mean, it's it's really just Carter and the suspension hurts. But you know, for Florida, they. Didn't have him in the second half of Mizzou and really played, you know, a, a great half of football. And, um, you know, they pulled the starters there at the end, and, and Mizzou scored late. But um, So they kind of got used to that. I, I mentioned Kyrie Campbell. He, his return it really um, affects a lot of things. Obviously, it's going to help them deal with Carter being out. But even when Carter returns in the second half, he's allowed to now play his more natural position, um, and then Campbell playing as well also allows Brenton Cox, Jr., the former Georgia Bulldogs, uh, to play at his more natural spot. So having 55 back makes you may- maybe Florida a little bit better about Carter's situation. If they didn't have Kyrie Campbell and Carter was suspended, um, the interior of their defensive line would really be in trouble um, to start this matchup.
0: So I've asked you, Zach, Florida has to score this to, to for you to feel pretty good about a win. I mean, is it thirty? If you think Florida hits thirty points, do you feel like they have a pretty good shot of winning this game? Yeah, I, I think so. I think trying to
1: score at their season average, which is right around that. I think you know if they can get five touchdowns on the board, um, that's probably what they're going to need to do to win this game. Um, because I don't know if Georgia can score that much against them. Um, you know, so we'll see. But the, the one thing I'll say, man, is it's a, it's a rivalry game. Uh, You know, you never really know what to expect with this matchup because we've seen just in the last you know five or six years um, this thing go all types of different ways. (laughs) And I know a lot of people are 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 picking Florida, um, but I mean, this is still a really talented Georgia team. They got a lot of um, guys that they've recruited really highly rated. So I I, I still think Florida's going to have to go out there and play their best game of the year to have a chance to win Saturday.
0: Yeah, It's crazy to see. I mean, it was Florida won three straight, Georgia won three straight, Florida won three, Georgia won three. So it only means that Florida is going to win the next three, right? If it keeps up with the pace of how it's been going. And it's crazy, too, when you look at some of these games. I mean, a lot of close ones. Last year was, you know, only a seven-point margin, but a lot of blowouts in between there, too. So um, I, I'll be real interested to see how this one plays out. I think Georgia obviously has kind of come back down to earth in recent weeks and uh, you just wonder, you know, is that quarterback play sticking with Bennett going to be their, uh, their undoing against a really, really good Florida offense? It's going to be a lot of fun. Zach, let our uh, listeners know where they can find your stuff
1: yeah absolutely you guys can follow me on twitter at zach albaverde uh that's with an h and an a b o l v e r d i Gators territory.com on the rivals yahoo sports network uh we'll be previewing the game all week uh spent the last couple days you know covering all the fallout from the brawl and the florida and mizzou game but uh it's Florida georgia week and i'm glad that it's finally here did you go as darth vader for halloween zach I did not. I didn't get to do any, <laughs> any trick or treating. Unfortunately, I was uh, I was in the swamp, and my wife was not happy about it. But um, you know, don't you know, don't blame me. I was we were supposed to have a bye week, uh, you know, for for Halloween. So that kind of got screwed up this year. Yeah. Um, but 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 I still got some candy, though. You know that.
0: Well, there you go. I, I still can't believe Dan Mullen, after all that, puts on a Darth Vader costume. But it is what it is. Zach Albaverde, Gators is the website. Zach, thanks for the time, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: My take you. All right, always good to talk with a uh, Zach there ahead of uh, ahead of a Florida game, and this is a, quite a big one between Florida and Georgia. Obviously, the uh, the rivalry goes back so long, and it's, it's crazy when you look at the runs. You know, Florida won three in a row, Georgia won three in a row, Florida won three, Georgia won three. Here we are. Does this start another run of Florida winning three in a row? <laughs> it Would just be really funny if that's how this rivalry uh, went for the next handful of years, but. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we'll continue to break it down as the week rolls along. More Locked on SEC after this. Rocking along here on the Locked on SEC podcast, counting you down to the games this week. Likely we'll be talking about only four games in the conference this weekend, but after this, everybody in action the rest of the way, as long as we don't have any more COVID postponements. I just want to give my thoughts on some of the games going into this weekend. Obviously, look, it's, you know, we'll get into our matchup breakdowns a little bit later in the week and we'll get into, you know, maybe the X's and O's and who to watch for and all that kind of stuff. But I just want to run through kind of some of the repercussions on some of the games this weekend. So let's jump into it. A massive game for Tennessee this weekend going to Arkansas. Why is this a massive game for Tennessee? Look, the reality is if the Vols lose this one, it would be their fourth straight loss of the season. Keep in mind, the last three have not even become, been competitive. The Vols have lost by 23, 27, and 31. It's seemingly getting worse week by week. And three of their last four games left on the schedule versus top 25 teams in A&M, Auburn, and Florida. Vandy is their only sure win remaining. That means if the Vols lose this weekend against Arkansas, they very well could finish 3-7. and seven. For Arkansas, losing this one would drop you to 2-4. and four. Would really undo a lot of the great positive vibes built up the first few weeks. Still some winnable games versus LSU and Mizzou, but some tough wins in Florida and Alabama. But honestly, I think Sam Pittman has already exceeded expectations in year one. So the record won't matter much. The spread in this one is one and a half in favor of Tennessee. I would not be surprised that this one is more of a pick em by kickoff. But this one could honestly go either way. I may lean Arkansas just being at home. But we'll make some official picks later in the week. Hey, just to show you how bad Vanderbilt is, they take on Mississippi State on Saturday in Starkville. And they are 18.5-point underdogs. Keep in mind, this is the same Mississippi State team over the last four weeks that has scored 14 points, 2 points, 14 points, and 0 points. And while Vandy is bad, they did kind of get their offense going this past week against Ole Miss. They scored 21 points, put up over 400 yards of offense. I wouldn't be surprised if this one is a little bit closer just with all the the transfers and opt-outs and everything in flux with Mississippi State. But this is probably Vandy's last chance for a win. Maybe they have a shot at Kentucky or at Mizzou, but they're not beating Florida. They're not beating Georgia. I don't think they're going to beat Tennessee. Even though prior to last season, Tennessee had lost three in a row to Vandy. In fact, Vandy is 5-3 and three in their last eight matchups against the Balls. But I still think Vandy is going to go 0-10 on this season. I just hope they can keep it close against Mississippi State. Mike Leach and the Bulldogs, this is one you really got to have. If they lose this one, I I think a lot of people in Starkville will be questioning the hire of Mike Leach, despite the outstanding win week one against LSU, which every week looks more and more like not a very impressive win. Mississippi State's got to beat Fandy. Number seven Texas A&M is at South Carolina. We've already discussed the Aggies' chances of winning out and really making their case for the playoff at 9-1. But the Aggies should be favored in almost all their remaining games. Their finale at Auburn, I mean, like, if they played right now, the Aggies would probably be a couple point, you know, two-, three-point favorites, something like that. But if they're 8-1 going into that final game, the Aggies are going to be favored at Auburn. So, again, Aggies most likely... Favored from here on out. For the Gamecocks, they have some winnable games after this one. At Ole Miss versus Mizzou at Kentucky. I think they'll lose to Georgia, but at two and three, if, if South Carolina can somehow upset AM, they got a shot to go perhaps at worst five and five, maybe even six and four for Will Muschamp. The Aggies, they are a 10-point road favorite. But don't count out Muschamp's bunch. They're going to fix some of their mistakes that they made in the LSU loss. I remember last time they were at home in Williams-Brice Stadium, they upset Auburn with a dominant defensive performance, forced a bunch of turnovers. Let's see if they can do the same thing against Kellen Mond this weekend. And lastly, at TIAA Bankfield in Jacksonville, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party dating back to around 1904 as of now. Georgia remains a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. But I just keep looking at those injuries on defense for Georgia, man. Losing Richard LeCount really going to hurt. And Kyle Trask has been so good this season offensively. Florida really has no more room for error after losing to the Aggies a few weeks ago. Same goes for Georgia after their loss to Alabama. I went back to last year's game and watched some of the film, and. Let's be real, Jake Fromm outplayed Kyle Trask in that game. Fromm picked apart the Florida defense. I just look at Stetson Bennett. I can't see Stetson Bennett doing what Jake Fromm did. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he does. I just, I wonder where the Georgia offense is coming from to keep up with Florida. And then the Georgia defense still has Monty Rice, Aziz Ojulari, Kobe Dean, Nolan Smith. I'm going to make a pick in this game later in the week, but man, I I just keep going back and forth in this one. I want to think Florida's going to score a lot of points, but would it surprise you if the Georgia defense stepped up and held them below 28, 25, 23? Is this this one of those ugly 24-21 type games? It's kind of what they've been in. Well, at least last year, twenty-four We'll get more into that game a little bit later in the week. There you go. That's just a quick look at uh, some of the games uh, coming up this weekend. Again, only four games in the conference, but uh, it, it's worth it knowing after this we're going to have all 14 teams in action every week from here on out after this. That is going to do it for this edition of the Locked On SEC podcast. My thanks to Zach Ebelverdi for joining us tomorrow on the podcast. You do not want to miss it. We'll continue our Florida-Georgia conversation. A former Georgia player and a former Florida player are going to join us. You don't want to miss that. Subscribe. You'll catch it you tomorrow here on Locked On SEC. You guys have a great day.